Podding in a winter wonderland. <laughs> Mate, the Christmas song that always reminds me of you is the... Um, I can't even remember who did it. But the, the line is, Mom and Dad can hardly wait for school to start again. <laughs> that you at uni all over. Lot like Christmas. Yeah, mate, that's a tune. We are in the cold snap, and we are snap. We, Rob? we are snap, we? crackle, and pop <laughs> massively. Um, are you enjoying the cold snap? Yeah, I, I'm. In, I'm enjoying the visuals of the cold snap. Like As I like that. Yeah, I like looking out my window at all times of day, and it's white and frosty and very pretty. Um, mm. I've been going on some nice runs. They've been very cold, but you dress appropriately it's not too bad but um what's john saying about the the, the cold no such thing as bad weather just bad clothing yeah. no there you are yeah yeah it's Says a Wayne john saying i believe wearing a as beanie. opposed to nordic Wear, but um wearing a beanie I'm, inside i'm fully clad <laughs> and i go out with my two pairs of trousers two pairs of socks and uh plenty of layers two scarf. pairs of trousers yeah what do you mean yeah what, what talk us through well, that i've got me sort of what like um well that in the old days you would have called them long johns but now mm. they're a bit like your what you have a wickaway layer that you would wear at sort of underneath all your t-shirts and mm. um it's just a, another layer of insulation they look like they're sort of um you know they they fit skin tight and they just cling to your light tights really and um being that i'm in a cold workshop all day and they they do the job i've i've not been apart from the extremities my, my sort of fingers get a bit cold if obviously if i stop still for too long um and uh but yeah i've i've not been cold and when i went out this morning with the dog it was uh showing minus four right by the front door so in probability, it would be minus five or even sort of colder as I walked away from the house. Um, and uh, But it was it was still lovely, you know, the, because of the time of year, I'm, I'm out before the sun rises. And uh, by the time I'm sort of halfway through my walk, the sun's just coming up. And uh, we've, we've had a lovely um, – well, the sun rises haven't been bid – big sky wise but they've been um they they have a nice shot of tangerine that's sort of over on the skyline as it just starts to lighten and we have of course had great because the uh, skies have been so clear there's been some very good views of mars which has been quite a, you know it's they call it the red planet obviously but it's uh it's been showing as quite sort of orange up near the moon Mm. Uh, so that's been nice to watch over the uh, over the week absolutely 
Um, yeah, and thank you for the... Well, everyone would like to thank you for the image of you in your long johns. <laughs> you can't see them. I've got my over trousers on top of that. I Two trousers normal, sailor. But... Yes. <laughs> um, yeah, didn't expect to kick off the pod in that manner, but that 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 is that is very father nature, isn't it, I guess? It is. Um, Dress to be outside and enjoy it. Exactly. And we got a lot to rattle through today, haven't we? Because yep. we're obviously um, moving into, well, we've well and truly moved into winter and we did a lot on winter last year. I'm going to recap a few bits as well, but we're mm-hmm. heading into the festive period and we are going to cover, well, we're going to cover all of our usuals and some bonuses in this episode as well, aren't we? We're going to have a look at some New Year's resolutions from last year and going forward. And surprisingly, John even wants to talk about Christmas presents, seeing as it's not usually too high up on your list. John, not really This is for other people. This, This isn't for me. Oh, forget. (laughs) It's for other people. It's for you lot. To buy for you. Okay, cool. Right. As ever, Rob, will you do the honours and kick off part one? With pleasure. Part one is, of course, getting some sense out of father. Getting some sense out of father. I have a feeling we're not going to get much This is going to be an uphill battle. <laughs> no, this Kick is a good then, one. John. Okay, this, this, is a, this is a nice one. I, I, you know I like my sounds, so let, let's oh, yeah, go for Just to remind first. our listeners, this is when John goes through various different things that we can experience via our senses uh, for the upcoming couple of months i'd say for this one john would you agree yeah definitely yeah the next next two or three months uh this is available to us though some of us might need to travel for it but it's quite unique and um uh, let me just play the sound and you can tell me a if you've heard it if you recognize it um and b what you think of it so here it comes Geese. You're right. Oh, that was an easy one. How did you not get that, Rob? <laughs> so, oh, you get this one. the lovely distant sound of skeins of geese. So, <laughs> it's one of the real traditional signs of winter coming on is the return of geese. So, quite a few of our species of geese that we have here over winter, they actually fly away after winter in order to go and breed up on the tundras. They Canada? like their cold. Sorry? Canada? Is that where they go? Uh, well, not really. No, we're talking further north. We're talking, yes, yeah, some of them would, would be sort of north and sort of, you know, we're talking Alaska, Greenland, right. Iceland, well, right just, up I was on, just thinking in about the, the Arctic name. Circle. Uh, Obviously, Canada Canada geese. I mean, it yes, feels like well, one thing I've learned <laughs> yeah. from you, John, is that no birds are actually appropriately named. No, what was the other one? The Egyptian goose. Was it the Egyptian goose? The Egyptian goose, which is neither African Egyptian nor a goose. Yeah, duck. that's true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, uh, birders are a funny old lot. Well, the Canada geese was traditionally from Canada, um, and it was much more migratory than it is now, but it was kept very much as a parkland bird for a long time. And uh, we we would still have an element of migratory 
Canada geese. But the vast majority that we we have now in this country are, um, you know, they're, they're, they're actually inhabit the country year round. But we get sort of pink-footed, grey lags, we get Brent geese, we get barnacle geese, uh, and quite a few different types of ducks. And, of course, a lot of the wading birds, the traditional shore birds, uh, seashore birds, and they will all come here because, actually, despite, you know, the cold that we're feeling at the moment, we're, we're a lot more temperate than where they tend to breed so they come down for the warmth uh the tidal areas there they're nearly always uh sort of below um freezing level so they can probe for food or they can uh they can dabble you know in the in the water's edges so there's plenty to eat and uh and then as soon as sort of you get round to sort of March sort of time, they will start to wing their way north again up to the tundras, which currently would be too cold for them. But then they just warm up and have that very brief spring time when uh, wildlife is amassed up there and they they can breed. Uh, One of the the reasons I put this in actually for myself is because it's on my pretty much my diary list to check out wildfowl a bit more because when i'm Hang teaching on. birds sorry john wildfowl or waterfowl uh probably the age either old or. question yeah it's a good question <laughs> i would probably call them wildfowl myself but okay. um i guess waterfowl would be okay we'll have to maybe google that what is the difference between or what is the similarity i suspect it's just what people prefer um rob will you do the honors whilst john's talking yeah i'm on it okay thanks rob um so no what i was going to say is when i when i'm uh teaching birdsong when i do some of my walks and such like and people often say oh you know i'd I, I can't remember all this. And I'm, I say to them, well, it doesn't matter. You don't need to remember it all. You just pick it up bit by bit. It's just familiarity. Now, if you don't continue with that familiarity, of course, you do get rusty. And it's one thing that I've learned because, like, I, I think back in the day, many years ago, when I used to go down to the coast a bit more often, I was a lot sharper on my, um, you know, wildfowl and wader sounds and calls than mm. i am now and uh and so i want to get down there and have a good old listen and a watch and um you know it's it's one of my other things is it's, it's always easier to um sort of uh remember rather than learn so if you've learned something a couple of times it falls back into place quite quickly i think but i definitely need a top up i definitely feel rusty on my for instance, my wader calls and such like. And so yeah. I'm looking forward to getting down to the, the coast. And one of the things I, I'm recommending just, you know, as a what you might call a podcast feature is if you've got some big lakes or um, perhaps uh, gravel pits or wetlands around you, there's, you know, they, they occur deep in cities as well as in, uh, around the actual coast, then 
get out there and have a, a look in the margins because you'll probably find that you've got more sort of birds on the water than you might expect in the uh, summer months. So, um, and they're, they're not always that vocal because they're not, they're not breeding, they're not uh, territorial, but they do tend to make quite a few communication noises. Um, I think we've mentioned before that uh, they don't tend to do dawn and dusk because if they're on the coast, they tend to do tidal. So you're as likely to hear the sound, let's say, of geese flying around during the Can night. Can you give it you to us? During the day. Sorry? Can you give it to us? What? The geese the- impression. Huh? <laughs> that's one of my it's a, a bit of a I suppose a Canada they tend to do a oh 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 that's very nice. good but uh, yeah, I don't always nice. recommend it sounds like that. you're squeezing a clown's nose or something <laughs> well when you listen to a goose next you'll probably find yeah. that's about right so yeah no again I'm rusty I need to catch up and do my impressions mm. <laughs> Rob what did you find um, so I found that a wildfowl is any wild bird, whilst waterfowl is any bird that spends most of its non-flying time on water. Mm. Oh, so, so it is it's waterfowl. Both. Well, it, it's waterfowl, but but a waterfowl is is a type of as well. yeah yeah yeah. Well, I didn't know that. Yeah, so basically, any what they're saying is wildfowl is any. So that would include your game birds and and things as well, I guess, which mm. aren't really sort of like expected to be near the water. Yeah, well, there's one for okay. the next pub quiz. Yes, <laughs> tuck that one away. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that was what we can hear then, John. Um, yes. What do you have for us next? Uh, so up next, uh, I think we were talking about the sense of what I'd love people to go out and see. Um, and it's, it's just always a fascination for me. It's quite niche, but is mistletoe. Oh, Um, classic. It is an old classic and it is so yuletide and Christmassy. I mean, it's, it's one of those legendary, unusual plants. So, um, so if you don't know, mistletoe is a parasitic plant which grows on quite a few different trees and uh, it's um, evergreen, which also makes it unusual. Um, it parasitizes the plant it lives on. It produces incredible white uh, um, berries, which are actually quite fragrant if you sort of keep them and uh and it's it's full of mystery and and folklore now the the i've i've been trying to grow mistletoe as a just a a silly little aside planting seeds on my apple trees for years and i have actually got a plant in its third year now so basically anything with berries likes to be eaten so uh birds eat these um berries and then presumably poop them out but it's no good them pooping them out sort of anywhere because if they fall to ground as most droppings might do um they won't grow they have to be on a tree 
but they don't have to go through um, a bird's digestive system. And, and indeed, the berries are actually very, very sticky. And there is some belief that if birds have been feeding on them a lot, they end up getting quite messy sort of uh, beaks. And so they will wipe their beaks on the bark to clean them off. And that might be how the seed gets put into a, a little sort of crack or fissure in the bark and will then sort of take root, literally. Mm. And um, so... How did you get yours a, to take then, John? How? Mm. What I used to do with my... Well, a combination of things. I used to put them... You didn't digest um, them and drop them all <laughs> no, over I, the I, tree. I, I never tried the, the tree. thing. In fact, it's a good point because they are toxic. Uh. So... Don't try the poop method of the seed dispersal when it comes to mistletoe. <laughs> it won't do you much good. Um, mm. But I've I've wiped them into sort of like where you've got a bit of a fold in the bark of apple trees and stuff like that. I've also done one of the old tricks of just putting a little nick in the bark with a penknife and putting the seed underneath that. And so, I mean, I haven't got a clue. The one that the only one that has emerged over all the years. I haven't got a clue how I planted that one. I was just delighted uh, when I actually saw it. That's your but, third um, child, that one. <laughs> kind of, yeah. Mm. I do I, I do feel very proud of it. <laughs> you do, yeah. But, um, but there, the mistletoe itself, I mean, I expect you've all kissed people under the mistletoe. Have you both kissed people under the mistletoe? Should we ask that question? I think we've probably kissed each other on the <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So why do you think you would do that? Um, well, for seed dispersal, obviously. Because <laughs> of what? Seed dispersal. <laughs> right. Well, I was hoping you would say something like, well, because it's the plant is considered sacred uh, <laughs> and uh you know the the actual the, the druids believe that the berries were balls of sperm sent by the gods can you believe wow um and that the the plant including its uh host plant as we've said it, it is a parasite um are, are seen as having protective powers and in actual fact uh Mistletoe would be used as a, a protective type of plant all year round. Uh, they they think that the association with Christmas came quite a bit later. And in actual fact, uh, churches originally did ban um, having mistletoe in in taken inside because of its association with sort of fertility rites and such like. So it's had a the the fact that it's on what you might call Christmas cards could be considered a little bit ironic, um, but uh, certainly it's it's seen as as being um, associated with fertility practice, protection, and um, all, all good things like that. But as I say, it is it is toxic, and toxic in herbal terms is often only and that's whisker away from. Uh, of medical use and uh it it has been associated for a long time in sort of what you might call folk medicine uh with various disorders of the mind and uh treatments of things like epilepsy and um and that continues to this day it's being uh the, some of the 
active chemicals in mistletoe berries are being used in the treatment of um, epilepsy. And uh, I don't know much about it, but it's the... um, so some of the compounds that are found within the plant are also being used uh, in cancer treatments. So it's got um, it, it's it's got potentially a sort of interesting future medically. Apparently, that it's you know we were just talking about its stickiness. Some of the cells are very good at binding with other cells in the body. Now I don't know how that helps with the sort of um, the disorders of the brain type thing but you can see how that might help with if they're treating um cancer cells mm. so yeah that's oh, there that. you go very interesting plant which yes. is a plant yeah it is plant yeah it's a green plant so it does photosynthesize but it also takes um its nutrients from the actual host plant hence it is a uh, it is a parasite. I, I think there is a more fancy name for the for the type of parasitism that it shows. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Okay. So that is something for us to see. Yeah. Definitely find them. And uh, and I mean, what do they look like for our listeners? Okay. So um, the if you see them from a distance, it will look like a great big spherical nest high in a tree often high in a tree. Um, and when you get up closer, you'll see that they're actually quite green and uh, the stalks are, are green as well. And they've got a simple oval, quite tough leaf. And then they have these clusters of white berries at this time of year. And then in a month or two, you'll find that loads of these berries on the ground. And um, I'd, in in days gone by when I've collected a jar or so at the time in order to do my little planting uh, thing, uh, you undo the jar where you've had these seeds for a few days and the smell, the perfume that comes out is amazing. So I'm amazed that they haven't been used to make some sort of perfume before now. Mm, interesting. Very good. Any more sense to come from you? Well, of course, taste... Oh, I mean, we're yeah. all big on eating this time of year. <laughs> yeah, 100%. and um, I think actually last year, Rob, you were talking about you know how the traditional sort of lovely roots and such like to make soups and stuff. You were mm. really enjoying your winter food, weren't you? Yeah, getting a great deal of comfort from it. No, it's funny you say that. I made a leek and potato soup yesterday, which we'll have for supper tonight. Which is yeah, Beautiful. so nice. Yeah. So, yeah, so uh, and in this country, we have a lot of what you might call traditional winter vegetables. And so, you know, we're quite lucky like that, that we don't only produce in the summer. So leeks are a very typical crop, parsnips and late carrots, lots of the brassicas, the cabbage family come into their own at this time of year. Um so yeah, Brussels. It's, a, it's a good time of year that Brussels sprouts <laughs> very traditional, obviously. And, Very good uh, for you as well. Yeah, and overlooked, I think. Mm. I mean, they, they have a reputation for being sort of a bit yuck, but I think as long as they're not overcooked, they're, they're a fantastic thing. You know, we, we have a, an awful lot of them. I love them. So, so that's all good. And um, meat-wise, if you're a meat eater, then there's a lot of what you'll call in-season uh, meats because there's 
a, a lot of the what you might call game is in season now. It's open season on sort of things. So things like venison and uh, partridge and pheasant and duck. They're all, all fair game. Of, they're all game at the moment. And, um, you know, it's it's obviously meat is a contentious issue. Turkeys are a contentious issue. It's, it's been a tough time for turkey farmers this year as as it has for free-range chicken farmers because we've had bird flu and um this is something that's been brought in probably by our lovely uh wildfowl that has come in from abroad and uh has sort of re-brought it back in it has occurred before and uh but i i gather if if it's detected on your farm then that's it the whole lot has to be destroyed which is tragic really john what if you do what um what do you eat on christmas day if you don't mind me asking do you are you quite traditional or do you go something in not season really and... no we, we don't really um i think we always find turkeys are a bit big so um i mean the traditional english if you like christmas uh was goose and uh, I've, I've always thought one day it'd be nice to have a nice roast goose, but never got round to it. Mm. Um, but we we just have varied it every year. It depends who's coming for Christmas dinner, really. You know, yeah. as we're 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 quite partial, as you know, to a really good nut roast. And uh, so, because things like chestnuts are yeah. sort of very much in season, and if you've got hazelnuts left over, and you're likely to supplement them with imports, but I'm a big fan of a good nut roast as well. So, uh, so yeah, I as long as I don't go without, I don't mind what I do have. <laughs> hmm. Very good. Yeah, okay, yeah, lots of delicious food to tuck into then. Uh, seasonal food as well. We love our seasonal food on this pod. Um, yes. And I'm sure if you go back on our Instagram, Rob shared a really good seasonal food post didn't you rob that time i did yeah that was um yeah passed on to me by a friend who uh yeah sent it to me yeah it's really good it's like month by month what's in season mm. and what's growing locally yeah mm. really good yeah Perhaps i mean we'll post that again mm. yeah and and going on from that and thinking about things like our sort of energy crisis and things like that i'm also a big fan of the doing that sort of traditional food in the slow cooker you know, the, the slow cooker uses, I think it's about 100 watts, which is like just an old-fashioned light bulb. And uh, we do a lot of meals in our slow cooker. You just bung them in in the morning, and then by the time you come back and done your work and such like, they're, they're there and cooked. Yeah, Jasper was famous for his slow cooker usage at uni. Yeah, mm. yeah. I think maybe Infamous. the only person there with, with, with a slow cooker. <laughs> yes. <But> yeah. <laughs> We had we They're always great. had to be careful, didn't we, Rob? Before we before we would eat to get rid of the rusk. Rusk. <laughs> uh, what would you call the rusk? Well, I don't know. That's what we called just the just the bits the, that would look disgusting in the meal that Jasper had cooked. Yeah, <laughs> which is most of it. Or the the scud. <laughs> I don't know if they're technical terms, but it was like the um, the kind it of describes them perfectly. Yeah, yeah. the top. It's like the bit the, around the, the outside. The, the scum. Yeah, the yeah. scum on top of the meal. Yeah, <laughs> it's probably the tastiest bit. Let's move on to section two, which is, of course, Robert. 
What's in Father's Diary? No, it's not. Hang on. No, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> we'll go from, from the top. <clears throat> All right. So then, Rob, let's move on to section two, which is, of course... <laughs> what on earth is Father doing this month? What on earth is Father doing this month? John, what on earth are you doing this month? <laughs> right, I'm being very vigilant mm. for myself, my family and my friends to try and make sure that people are coping with the the side of the season which is you know very physical uh and that's and generally down to our daylight levels and we we call it the winter blues and and we did sort of look at this quite closely because i'm i i know a lot of people um who really suffer a bit of a dip and it's it's so counterproductive because they get the winter blues they don't feel like doing some of the things that can help them get through the winter blues and alleviate those those symptoms. It's um, it's been researched a lot the winter blues, especially by the sort of Nordic countries and such like, because of course their daylight levels are much less than ours uh, at this time of year. So you've got places like Iceland and Norway who are in sort of virtual darkness for some of the time. Um, and uh but it it certainly affects people you know i mean getting up in the dark and then coming home in the dark can sort of it affects the brain and the way the brain sort of assimilates sort of like hormonally through your bloodstream and such like so it's something that does need some you to be pro proactive to try and work your way through it and we we went through this i think probably ever since we started the podcast because it's it's quite an obvious thing to do um if if you care about how people feel and which we do and uh i i do believe we we made a you call it a mnemonic a mnemonic out, yeah mm. that's literally spelt out winter blues which i, I don't yes. know which of you lovelies was able to actually manifested it but it was great. It was a team effort, and I've got yep. it here in front of me now. Yeah. And, yeah, as John was saying, we did a whole mini-series, didn't we, around yeah. just the winter blues, which, of course, is all still available. Um, go back to this time last year and um, listen through all of those because we did it in real detail. Um, mm. But we are just going to do a quick quiz now. Before we do that, John, let's just yep. quickly... Um, talk about what's known as SAD. Is is that seasonal affective disorder? Is is that used interchangeably with winter blues, or are they slightly different? Uh, no, I think they are generally the same. I think winter blues, if you like, would be the colloquial way of describing it. Um, but uh, SAD, SAD is the the term that is still you might say used within the medical field and the research field. And, um, you know, if you literally just type in, you know, sad research, something like that, then th there's reams and reams of stuff on it. For me, the the way through it can be helped by us accessing the great outdoors and nature. You can't sort of deal with it with a stiff upper lip and still be happy. but 
the you can sort of help the way your brain copes with it by stimulating your brain in the various ways that we said which you know as we'll go through them but is accessing the outside when we can exercising hard all right let's go through them then john yeah all right, or you go through them all on your own yeah um so we had our 11 ways to beat the winter blues and yeah. the 11 ways spelt out winter blues and we did part one and part two which you can access from last year starting with w then who wants to say what w was who can remember yeah that's that that was walk in nature and that's my thing in nature yeah yeah take every opportunity and bizarrely that walk in nature doesn't have to be in sort of light so if you can just get in a morning walk before work or even walk to work or walk from work even though it might not be light that still helps so i mean obviously if you can get out at lunchtime and you know soak up some rays then that's going to be a a, a a double bonus but just get out and walk outside and yeah. uh th- you will feel benefits yeah, absolutely. Make sure you do that in a safe way as well. Let's move on to yep. I. Who can remember what I was? I can remember this one. Interaction. Yep. Interaction. Absolutely, Rob. Yep. N. Mm. What we've just been talking about, really. Nutrition. Yep. Nutrition. You know, I, I think it's one time when, you know, if we can really try and be sensitive to what our bodies are calling for. I mean, I, I did read something the other day and I, I can't remember what the figure was, but it showed you how much more energy you burn up when you are not cold, but fighting the cold as in sort of, you don't feel cold because your body's able to do things like shiver and, and, you know, you're, you're tending to move around a bit more because you, uh, you want to stay warm and that's obviously using more energy so it could be that you need more sort of energy rich food and uh, if you're gonna if you're gonna take on this sort of challenge of doing a bit more exercise and walking then you need to counter that with with decent energy levels and a bit more protein perhaps yeah tea talk talk well done rob yeah yeah very important to uh, talk to someone about how you're feeling if you're going through the winter blues e what we just said dear old rob's been out running (laughs) have you been exercising plenty yeah i've been exercising with rachel's dad doing our weight training in the morning e is Uh, for exercise yeah what about then let's cap off winter with the r that was routine for sleep. One of the temptations this time of year, which the research is saying can unsettle the the whole pattern, is the temptation to think, oh, God, it's bloody freezing outside when you first wake up and it's Saturday morning or whatever, and you're thinking, I'm going to have a nice lie-in. That's a well enough to have a lie-in, but if you go back to sleep or you sleep much longer that's meant to be quite detrimental. So it pays to try and get your routine of getting up at reasonably the same time consistently. 
Mm. Okay, let's move on to the B for blues. This was one of my favourites, actually. Bring the outdoors in, which bring the outdoors in. Which, from what I remember, was like, you know, just let as much sunlight in as you can, as maximise the natural daylight in your house or whichever, you know, your working environment as possible. And it made a massive difference to me. Like, I was quite lax and, you know, with kind of opening shutters and blinds. And it's the first thing I do in the morning now. And, yeah, that's definitely helped me. One of my favourite and sticks uh, sticks in the memory. Mm. And your plants. And the plants, yeah, of course. But, um, Yeah. yeah, no, I love that one. Yep, B was bring the outdoors in L. One one of my favourites of this time of year, and that's looking for spring. Looking you know, for spring, it's, doing it's, very well, gents. It's lovely to. Um, I mean, it, it sounds like I don't like winter to say that I'm optimistic for spring. That's not quite true. I I like all the seasons, but I do love the fact that as you go through winter. There's all these little clues about um, the you know the approach of springtime and the, the new year. Um, very much happens after the twenty first, which we'll talk about in a bit. But um, even now, if you're if you're walking along, you just have to look at things like hazel bushes, and you'll find a the catkins are starting to swell quite a lot already, um, as are the buds of quite a few trees. And, but with with no. hazel, particularly, you'll look for these those tiny, tiny little scarlet flowers. Probably one one of my favourites, and um, and of course, you know things like snowdrops, crocuses. You know, somebody even sent me some daffod uh, a picture of some daffodils that were just about to bloom the other day, which is a bit bizarre. But I think it's just you know looking at those lovely signs and thinking you know if you don't like winter this is transient it's a temporary thing and uh you know spring might not be just around the corner but for from a wildlife perspective from a nature perspective it's it's moving on every single week of the year Mm. okay then you was undertake something new undertake something new one of my favorite ones this one and that was to have what we uh, suggested could be like a winter blues activity almost. So anytime you began to feel a little bit bluesy, you would do your winter blues activity. So you'd undertake something new, whether that's learning a new instrument, going running, journaling, drawing, painting, writing etc etc so you Mm. was undertake something new with your winter blues activity e this was another good one establish future plans establish future plans which was all about you know having something to look forward to in the diary whether it was something as small as a phone call with family member or friend or something booked in you know be it you know like uh, i think we went to a gig in January last year, Jasper, mm. and we booked that, you know, and we got we're meeting mm. up again in January. So, just have something to look forward to. Oh yeah, aren't we? Yeah, no, we are. Yeah, and also as well as that, have something to look forward to. Um, <laughs> it's the opposite of feeling that you need the the. It's getting out of that mentality that you have to hunker down and do nothing because it's winter, isn't it? You sort of mm. you're looking forward mm. to you, you know get out and about, do your stuff. Yeah. And finally, 
for 11 out of 11 s that was a final seek help if you need it which is a bit like the the t the talk but that you know i think it's accepting that sort of you know if you are badly affected by this there are a few medical things that can be done um you know what we're suggesting the nature things is a is a way of hopefully alleviating and, and just helping the passage through there but it's not a cure-all by any means and uh there are there are things that you can do you can buy what they call sad lamps and things like this um and i, I think you can even be assisted by medical drugs if it's really bad but obviously you know seek seek the right help and uh make mm. make sure that you're looking after yourself yeah, it just reminded me for tea for talk as well. We were saying it might be good to have a set time in the diary every week where regardless of how you feel, you spend 10, 15 minutes with someone just talking about the winter blues. Uh, let's say it's every Wednesday at seven o'clock or whatever, um, yeah. just to make sure that you know you have something in in your weekly plan almost to, to, to make you talk about it if you yeah. are going through it or even if you aren't. So... They were our 11 ways to beat the winter blues, summed up very quickly because you can go back from last year, as we've been saying, and look at uh, both part one and part two amongst a few other episodes that we did on the winter blues. So uh, there's plenty for you to listen to from last year. Let's move on, Robbie, to section three. Which is, of course... Which is, of course... Drum roll, please. <laughs> as it loads. <laughs> what on earth is Father doing this month? No, it's not! Which is, of course, what's in Father's diary which this month. Which is, of course, what's in Father's diary this month. The biggest thing in my diary um, is, of course... Uh, Yule, I'm afraid, for for Christmas lovers. I'm not a Scrooge, but I just don't get off too much on Christmas. I find it a bit plastic. But Yule is my earthy version, and I love it just because of its sort of like um, astronomical significance. I love the fact that places like Stonehenge were actually built although they they are very very relevant for the summer solstice they're actually predominantly were it was built for the winter solstice and uh the the stones are lined up so that at sunset uh they're perfectly aligned uh for on the 21st of december uh for you know sunset and after that time uh there is a gradual lengthening of day length. And for me, it's just bonkers that they managed to, to align that so incredibly accurately. What, how they did that, you know, for those thousands of years ago, 6,000 years ago, whatever, is just mind-boggling to me. How they were able to monitor day length, for me, is just something which I just find, sort of, as I say, it's mind-boggling. But one thing that I do, I mean, I can't answer that at all, uh, but <laughs> as a bit of a birder, I reckon I can tell 
within if 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 I didn't know the date, I could tell you within a day or two when we had hit the winter solstice because of the change in birdsong. So what basically happens, we were just talking about how with um, the winter blues, it's all about light levels entering the eye and affecting uh, the brain and hormones. Exactly the same thing happens to uh, birds uh, on the after the 21st, you know, I, I'm sure it's not a conscious thing, but because of the increased daylight length, however subtle, uh, it affects their hormone levels and they start to gear up ready for courtship. And, uh, you know, it, it's incredibly subtle. It's incredibly, um, uh, I would suggest, sort of like um, non-dramatic, but it's still significant you will hear changes in uh, song patterns of things like song thrush, uh, great tits, robins, uh, dunnocks. They all start to just start to do some what you might call courtship songs as opposed to communications. And uh, I, I think it's incredible how they respond to that. And uh, that for me is why Yule is such a significant date um, and it's it's well worth celebrating because, you know, it goes back to other bits of our mnemonic. It's looking forward to things coming up and looking forward to those other signs of spring. And uh, so, so yeah, I'm I'm a big fan of it. Um, and uh, you know, I I do Christmas. It's a nice social thing for me. Um, but I guess my sort of my gut belief is in that sort of seasonal celebration of that, that we call Yule. I've just realised that we have been saying pneumonic again of pertaining to or affecting the lungs as opposed <laughs> pneumonic. to mnemonic with the silent M. <laughs> oh. um, so well, thank apologies you anyone who uh, was confused by that. <laughs> uh, John, thank you very much for your yule loving but you (laughs) you did you did forget to mention one thing about christmas which is obviously the main part of christmas and that is the presents so (laughs) so what are your what are father nature's best christmas presents well i think because sometimes nature lovers can be a bit difficult to buy for because a lot of them are, are not massively materialistic and uh you know they might like to only get their own sort of specialized clothes and stuff like that they like to wear but i've just got a list of things which i think if you either know someone who's a little bit into their nature or if you think that they would enjoy getting into nature it would encourage them along and um i i sort of just worked this list out really from what um people are fascinated by when they talk about it if we're talking you know in conversation or if they ask to borrow things like for example binoculars so um for me if you like walking it's a great idea to get a pair of binoculars i would always go for something like a a pair of 
eight by forties. That's called the magnification. And uh, solid pair of binoculars. That yeah, good side. Don't Textbook. go really cheap. <laughs> some of the some of the ones that get given away with memberships of certain organisations and stuff, they're not really very good at all, and they're quite difficult to use. They'll put you so, off binoculars. They will. Yeah, <laughs> you just sort of they they don't make it easy. I a, a good way. Um, to sort of to get to know your binoculars a bit is to try before you buy sort of thing. And if you go to some of the bigger RSPB nature reserves, they'll often have like a, a little shop. And uh, and so you can actually go in and have a, a look through them then and realise what the ones that are good for you. Um, mm. There's no need to spend the, the earth on them. I've got, you know, some of my birdie friends have got uh, binoculars that are well in excess of a £1,000, and they're superbly engineered, and they're great. But uh, the ones that I use day in, day out, and they've lasted me very well, uh, are made by a company called Bushnell, and um, they're I think they're 8 by 42 something like that. And I've got a feeling they're about £80, £90, and that's great for me because I like to be able to lend them out to people on my walks and, you know, it just means if they do get dropped or damaged, then it's not going to be the end of the world. They're, they're coming to their the end of their life. I know the engineering on them has started to sort of get slightly worse. So if it's very, very wet, they do let in a bit of uh, moisture now, which can cause them to mist up. So they're – but they've done their day, you know, so – I, I might treat myself to others in a similar mode. Another thing, if you've got a garden and I know that Rob, you've got your lovely garden, you've been doing things in it. Um, the, one of the most fascinating things I think to have is a little trail cam. And so people often think, Oh, I've got something coming through my garden. It could be a Fox or it could be, you know, rats or it could Irene. be, was it dumb or what it is? <laughs> Put yourself <laughs> or what? <laughs> Irene, some footprints left in the snow each morning. <laughs> yeah, trail cams are great. So basically, a trail cam is a little camera, and they're motion activated. So if something like a badger or a hedgehog pushes past or or just goes past, it will be picked up in the the motion sensor, and it will either take a bit of video or take some stills, and uh, then that's just on a little um uh recorded onto the hard drive or or connected straight to your computer whichever you want these days so they're all good i also think if if people have got a bit of a you know even a decent outside wall or something as opposed to big gardens or something bird boxes bat boxes bug hotels make great presents they make even better presents if you get them from a charity like a wildlife trust or something like that so your money's going to a very good cause as well uh other things we're a big fan i know sort of this was a big part of your year last year rob but um of growing things so it might seem an unusual present but if you've got something which you really enjoy growing and you think somebody else might like to have a go buy them a packet of seeds it's going to be the first encouragement yeah, to get them definitely. to sort of, you know, have a go, and mm. um, or or plants, you know, house plants. You might sort of think, oh, this person's flat is a bit devoid of plants, um, and then other things for the people that have got everything. 
get a membership or a magazine subscription, something like that. And um, I just think the, these are nice presents because it's so easy to just think, oh, I've got to get so some somebody something and you don't know what to get and so you end up getting some plastic crap and you think to yourself well <laughs> you know it might do the job on the day but actually that's not as good as something that will last mm. right thank you very much for your christmas list then john um okay. i hope that you get treated to at least one of those things um <laughs> packet of seeds or something yeah that'd be nice <laughs> thousand I'm happy pound with that. pair of binoculars <laughs> let's move past um christmas and into the new year yeah and we're going to talk very quickly before we sign off for the year about new year's resolutions and i'm going to ask rob about some of the new year's resolutions the nature new year's resolutions that we set at the start of this year on our first podcast episode of the year uh, rob we had these five Learn a new bird song by heart. Plant one thing new. Take in one sunrise and sunset. Commit to making a positive change for the environment and volunteer some time to a charitable cause that focuses on sustainability or the environment or mental health. Do you want to talk us through perhaps a couple that you uh, felt you really enjoyed this year? Yeah, sure um so with regards to the sort of charitable effort one of the highlights of the year was going down to Worthing um and I spent the day with my sister doing a litter pick on Worthing Beach which was really nice like you know obviously a lovely way to spend the day on the on the seafront it was in the summer so it was a lovely day to do it um obviously always nice to spend time with family and felt like we were making a real difference as well and it wasn't a beach that you know you sometimes you do look at beaches and they look obviously littered and not in great state but Worthing didn't look like that at all really when we got there we thought are we going yeah we thought we might struggle to fill a bag but actually if you walk the length of the beach you are you will be surprised how many bottles and bottle caps and sort of like beer can nets that you you pick up and before long we'd filled two or three maybe four carrier bagfuls and um you know that felt like a good you know obviously a good thing to have done and not only do you sort of you seeing litter and picking up picking up the litter but you obviously see the things that we'd spoken about on the podcast like different pizzas of nature and we saw um you know different we actually saw i think it was a week after we'd done a podcast on um john you'd said about sharks and shark teeth like washing up on the on the shore which i the, the egg cases yeah yeah exactly and and then you know we, we spent the day on the beach about a week later and saw all of those things and it was yeah. like so that was really nice so then you see a shark yeah we literally saw like uh maybe two foot long i think i put it on the instagram um mm. a, a, like a fish it was clearly like you could just tell from the sort of the, from its um from how it looked there was a type of shark and um, dog fish, was, wasn't it? yeah, yeah. and yeah. it was a, yeah. about a week after you saying that and i just couldn't believe i was you know i grew up near the sea and mm. never seen anything like that so so yeah no that was um that was a definite mm. highlight and um you know nice way to spend the day so i think we'll try and do that again at least i'd like to um yeah so that sticks out as a highlight um in terms of growing things so i think my uh, journey of growing tomatoes for the first time from seed was fairly well documented and publicized mm, yeah you did pod, very well so, still um, getting through them 
<laughs> yeah, still eating them. Um, so no, that was obviously like the highlight of the summer in the garden for me. Um, so I've, I've said to, to Liv just this week, actually, that we want to start over Christmas this year, really planning what we want to do in the garden with regards to growing things and also just um the projects we want to do in the garden really because we've Mm. not really done that in either of the winters we've been here and it's kind of been a bit felt a bit reactive when springs come around as to what to do and what to plant so i want to be more organized this year but um yeah had so much fun doing the tomatoes and you know we'll do do something similar again next year um and then yeah with the sort of positive changes with the environment there's a couple of things that i've done um which i'll keep doing so one of the one of the things we spoke about in in a number of pods and i think in some of the earliest pods was around the benefits of buying local honey that can have sort of for the local beekeepers and the local environment and so um yeah i've been buying some some honey which is um comes from a, a beekeeper in east surrey so um you know i've always got a pot of that in the in the cupboard now and we'll continue to do that um and then the other one or well, there's a couple really which is just trying to change my sort of daily habits for the better so like i said like we've mentioned on a few pods like i try and run as much as i can really um and i think in the past i've always been was maybe a bit frivolous with my water usage in that I would shower as soon as I got up in the morning. I would run at some point in the day, be it on lunch, be it after work, and I would shower again. So I'm trying to be a bit more conscious of my water usage and just shower once a day, um, you know, after the run, whenever that is, whether that's, you know, after work or whether it's at lunchtime kind of thing. So trying to keep, uh, yeah, an eye on my water usage and, um, and obviously, yeah, I think obviously, it's, I think most people are doing this now just because of the energy prices. But trying to keep uh, one eye on how much we're using the heating as well, which is you know difficult at the moment because it's so cold. But where uh, where possible, you know, we're trying to um, you know just wear extra layers and and be a bit more sensible with the heating. So um, mm. yeah, feel like Very I've good, kicked mate. a few. You did very well. Yeah, that just reminds me of one more as well in terms of environmental, which I've found myself doing this year. And that is before I buy anything new, like, for example, if I if I get a, which I don't do too often, but if I get a, a pair of shoes or something, I find myself now researching the sustainability efforts of that company, um, mm-hmm. you know, in quite a lot of depth to make sure that they align with, our kind of values and um protecting the planet so i think that's a, a small change that people can make quite easily just a google search to just have a look you know is this company doing good for the planet as well as selling us merch is yeah. this sustainably sourced alligator skin <laughs> <laughs> exactly that john have you got anything to add to that well actually it's it's, it's funny that you should talk about that because one of the things i've already started doing which was one of my um is one of my sort of what you might call new year's resolutions this year and it's uh it sounds negative but it's not it's a, it's a positive thing to do and it would be really this commitment to positive change um and obviously i i, I was quite influenced or i was quite affected by people's reaction to um David Attenborough's latest series um, because of the sort of like 
some of the potential environmental sort of like devastation that they were warning sort of is on the cards if we don't act and it's it's they kind of kept coming around to this if you don't act we've got to act sort of thing there and it's kind of we do need some action um it's almost not quite good enough just to be good yourself you've got to influence other things to improve their act and so it's just like what you were saying about you you're looking at a product to buy instead of just getting it sort of straight off the shelf it is worth checking out those credentials it could be that actually you're you're adding to the issue so to speak and one of the things that i decided to do was look a bit more closely at things that we do buy and if they're not sort of what you might call in accordance with being sustainable or environmentally friendly, not just thinking, right, I won't get it again, but actually challenging that company to put that right. So Nays Decaffeinated Tea made by Tetley. It's in a very glossy packet, this, that and the other. And I looked over it and I thought, I can't find anything that suggests this is either made from recycled material or recyclable. So I just knocked off a, I thought, so this is where it starts. I'm going to just email them and just politely say, is this packaging recycled or recyclable? Because I I did check on the web, Tetley have got a lot on on their website about their environmental credentials, but not this. So... I, I emailed them and said, is it? And they came back and said, no, unfortunately, it's not. And and I'd said, you know, if, if it's not, then, you know, regretfully, I won't be buying Tetley products anymore. And they they came back and said, regretfully, it's not at the moment, but it's important for us to get this sort of feedback so that we can put pressure on, like, their packaging department, so to speak, to change it. Now, I thought to myself, I've got to be able to find, make the time once a week just for something that's maybe even just in my supermarket shop to help improve that performance, to put pressure on it. And so I've also done a very similar thing with a, uh, a Tesco brand and a Waitrose brand. I think as a concept, it's it's a slightly different way of thinking. It sounds like it's going to turn you into a moaning mini But in actual fact, I'm just trying to get uh, my suppliers, let's call them, to up their game a bit. And if if they want me to buy their products, they've got to, you know, just come up to a slightly better standard of environmental credentials. So that's one of my New Year's uh, resolutions. I don't think it's too much of a downer or anything like that. I think it's just quite a positive move. If they know that people... uh, will support them to change their, 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 let's just say in this case, it's as simple as packaging. Uh, it's a, another a, a company I, I wrote to. I wanted to know whether the, all their deer were sust- sustainably sourced from the wild. And they actually uh, had the honesty to say to me that, you know, in a letter, actually they're not. If they if they don't get enough from the wild, they import from New Zealand. Well, I do not want to be part 
of a food system that imports from New Zealand. It's the other side of the globe. It's crazy. So, but, you know, it gave me the opportunity to tell them that in the hope that if other people had said that, they might just change that one sort of like aspect. Mm, yeah, no, I really like it. A bit of climate activism on the pod. Yeah, <laughs> I reckon so, nice. you know. <laughs> Brilliant. Okay, well, I'm going to add one last New Year's resolution for everyone to follow or keep following. Um, say thank you very much to you both. Thank you, Father Nature. Thank you, Rob, as ever. Thank you very much to all of our listeners. Thank you to everyone who's listened um, over the last year. And John... I would like our final New Year's resolution to be the one that we always sign off the pod with, which is to enjoy the nature. Enjoy, enjoy the nature. Enjoy the nature. <laughs> <laughs>